All right, and we're live, Dan. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. I'm Andy Johnson. I'm here with my co-host, Dan Peisner, CMI. Hi, Dan. Hey there, Andy. How's it looking there in Dallas? What's the weather like today? Oh, we had a real cold spell here in Texas. It got down to a bone-chilling 65 degrees. Oh, man. <laughs> well, you know, uh, tomorrow it could be 15 degrees there and snow and ice and every other nasty thing. Yes, if it, uh, if it gets that cold here, you'll know it by a uh, run on the local Walmart for all of the, the necessities. Yep, all the water and everything disappears. Well, speaking of Texas, Dan, I thought today we would uh, just update everybody on the latest changes. You know, this is kind of the ever-changing world of Nexus and Nexus rules in the wake of uh, Wayfair. And uh, I just want to go to a resource that I really like provided by our friends at uh, Avalara and just share this. And uh, Ryan can put this in the show notes, just a link to this updated chart. And uh, I just think that there's some really great resources. And I want to talk today about uh, three changes, one in Texas, one in California, and one that uh, slipped in on us uh, kind of unannounced and with very little uh, lead time. Uh, over here in uh, Washington, D.C. So, Dan, let's talk first about Washington, D.C., your thoughts on what's going on in Washington, D.C. Well, uh, leaving the federal chaos aside for a moment, uh, the yeah, on, on a, uh, uh, a district sales tax level, uh, Washington, D.C. decided to give us uh, their own personal Happy New Year by passing uh, emergency uh, an, that had passed an emergency regulation December 31st that went into effect January 1st, uh, giving the, giving the uh, tax consulting community very little time to adapt to it and uh, a- implement it. This was a very nice surprise we all found coming back from, from the holidays, and uh, we've, been, uh, we, we've been working to kind of try to get up to speed and, and get our try to make our clients aware of it and adapt as needed. Okay, so it's it's pretty much the standard thresholds uh, coming from the Wayfair case. They just said, okay, let's take that. And um, it's uh, if you exceed 100,000 in retail sales in the district or 200 separate transactions um, in the current or prior calendar year. So anything unusual about that or is that pretty much the standard? Oh, it's standard. They're, they are towing the Wayfair line. Okay. Let's talk. Uh, let's see if I can. Uh, I just want to talk about California. Let's, uh, I can't hide Texas, so don't look at Texas. Um, let's just talk about California. California is effective April 1st, so a little bit of lead time there. Give you a chance to uh, – but look at the thresholds in California. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was – I honestly had high hopes. Um, I, some of the thresholds I heard originally as they were kind of uh, taking input were much higher. Uh, California is by far the biggest state for most online sellers, and, and uh, it, it's virtually impossible not to have property in California, uh, as many people have been finding out. But they're, uh, for, for those sellers who, who do not already have Nexus through FBA, uh, they, they have uh, – 
under their proposed regulations, they've got an effective date of April 1st, and their threshold is is uh, the 100,000 or 200 separate transactions. So they are they ended up going with the Wayfair line uh, for for those California tax pessimists out there. Maybe that this is just uh, more as expected, but I, I really did have hopes that theirs, theirs was going to come out a little bit higher than this. I, I read something that uh, Scott Peterson said over at Avalara. Um, he said, you know, he's a former administrator, the head of the SS, uh, SSTP. Um, so I, I trust his, insights and something I read that he said is states may change their mind a little bit once they start getting a bunch of returns for eight cents you know if you're it's very easy to exceed 200 transactions in California and still have very low sales per month right so you could be sending so 200 transactions in a year is like 20 a month right and let's say you sell ten dollars worth of stuff, or you know, dollar worth of stuff. You have twenty dollars of taxable sales in California in a month, so a dollar sixty in sales tax that you would be remitting potentially. And so, if these states get a whole bunch of returns with very little money, uh, they maybe they will rethink their their rules. What do you think? I would hope so. Uh, I, I think it'd be, I'd, I'd like to see what the experience of some of the, the predecessor states is on that and whether they, they start to rethink their approach because there, there are going to be a lot of really, really small sellers. And, I, you know, they may, California may secretly be hoping so that the, the smallest sellers just don't mess with it and that, that it's, that they, they get all, they get the, the bigger dollars, but they don't, no, I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> It's it's a very very low threshold for a state like California. Um, it goes back to some of the things I read where people said, you know, the the, the uh, Wayfair case was a South Dakota case or North Dakota North Dakota case, and um, you know, two hundred transactions. Yeah, that's it's it would be hard to to have nexus at that level in North Dakota, but. You know, you take another state, and they were comparing, I think, New Jersey in, in this particular article I read, and you know, it's it's not the same standard. You you could have virtually no, I don't know, imprint, no footprint. I guess is the word I'm looking for at all in a state like New Jersey or California, even more so. Such a big state, such a huge population, and and. Wayfair stands for the proposition that 200 transactions in California is substantial nexus. So I think a lot of people will be complaining about that. They already are. Trust me. We'll see how they do it. I, I really like, you know, just putting my shoes, my feet in the shoes of our clients, which I always like to do. I, I like what Texas has done. <clears throat> I mean, I don't like the Wayfair standard anyway, but we have one. So I like what Texas has done, and I think it helps them um, nurture or you know maintain this image of being business-friendly. But tell us about Texas's rules. First of all, they've given plenty of lead time, and they have, they have a high threshold. 
Texas, Texas is uh, decide, staying true to their mantra of everything is bigger in Texas, decided to apply that to their uh, economic nexus threshold. Uh, they have their net threshold is five hundred thousand dollars in the preceding twelve months, and uh, as you will notice, there is no transactional threshold. So, uh, I know initially they were uh, initially when they were putting this forth, they were talking about doing an and, and and requiring both conditions. But it looks like they they did away with the as as proposed, they did away with the transactional altogether, and they're just going with the five hundred thousand. Yeah. Um, and on the one side, and on the other. They have put the uh, an effective date of uh, October first. So, even though the the regulation will will be published and become effective before then, it doesn't go into effect or, or require them to to start collecting in, until October first, which will give everybody more than enough time. Uh, and then the, uh, the there's a I also think there's a little bit of a, a hidden purpose there. Uh, Texas's legislature only meets uh, once every two years and only for about six months to do all their business. They they pride themselves on being a part-time legislature. And I know there's a number of bills going through for uh, not so much economic nexus, but they're looking at doing a combined uh, rate similar to Alabama that you, you pay, you pay a single rate if you're a remote seller and you don't otherwise have nexus and you would, uh, and then the state would, Rather than having to do the the complex local reporting, the state would just divvy it up internally based on population, popularity, which city sounds best. I don't know, but they they would. It, that's one of the things that that they do complain about is Texas is a complicated return to do, and for remote sellers, that that is something that they've a bill has been introduced and the the comptroller has recommended it. Uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how they word that because. <clears throat> I would guess they would say remote sellers with no physical. Exactly. It, in Texas. Yeah. It, it would be similar to, I think what Alabama and, and uh, Louisiana are looking at doing. And then there's also a, a marketplace facilitator bill for Texas floating around that would probably kick in around the same time and, and would, would have Amazon and, and the others collecting tax for, for their Texas sellers. So stay tuned to Texas is what you're saying. Always. So uh, how did they implement this in Texas then, since it's not a statutory thing? What was, what's the mechanism? The, the, uh, as far as economic nexus goes, they are using, uh, like many states, Texas has uh, what they call a long arm statute, where the statutes were written broadly enough to basically let them do anything that the United States Congress and, and the, the Constitution will let them get away with. And so under the long-arm statute, they, they, they've promulgated a rule in order to define the economic nexus. Now, as far as the other things I mentioned, a single rate collection and, do, and or uh, marketplace facilitators, that would require an act of the legislature, and that's why those your those are currently in bill form. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, very very helpful. Um, so it makes me proud to to uh, be a son of Texas, and yeah, we only lived there for twenty seven years. Most of my kids are born and raised in Texas. I'm glad. I, I think this is a good model for what many states should do when you are purely a remote seller. But if you have inventory there because you're an Amazon seller, um, my guess is, you know, 
the, the uh, legislature giveth and the Department of Revenue taketh away. So when the legislature says, hey, we're going to give you a big benefit if you're a remote seller and, uh, you know, with no physical presence, something like that, then you'll say, oh, well, it's not as easy as I thought. Yep. All right. What's some, uh, what's going on on the, uh, so those, that's our, um, that's the latest changes with regard to economic nexus. And you've bantied about a little bit about the marketplace facilitator. So let's, let's just back up and say what you're saying there. Some states have the idea, and I know for a lot of remote sellers, they're, what they would say about Amazon or Walmart or what have you is, these people, these marketplaces, Amazon, should be collecting tax on our behalf and just remitting it to the state. It sounds like the easiest solution. Um, it's usually not quite so simple, and I know why the facilitators don't necessarily want to do it because they don't want to expose themselves to audits of, of individual sellers and lots of other reasons. Um, but some states, not all states, but some states are moving in that direction to say, we don't want to have to deal with millions of little sellers. We want to deal with, you know, Amazon or uh, Walmart, for example. So uh, what's the latest on that front? How many other states are talking about uh, a marketplace facilitator approach? Well, uh, Andy, I believe eventually, as with Economic Nexus, I think everybody's going to get there eventually. Uh, we've, we've now, as of January 1st, Alabama and Iowa uh, Amazon will be collecting and remitting on behalf of all of its all of its sellers for those two states. Uh, we've we know uh, March first is when DC is expected to uh, have facilitator status come online, and uh, I don't think I've seen anything for California yet. But you can bet they're they're probably have a bill in their legislature somewhere. Did you mention South Dakota? Oh no, I did not. Uh, South Dakota, I think, has – South Dakota, uh, has, theirs is coming up in March. Uh, D.C.'s got one. I don't – actually, I th- I'm not sure what theirs was. March was March was South Dakota, not D.C. Right, okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking you meant. Um, all right. Um, so that's the latest. So the big states, obviously, um, California and Texas. California need to be going by April 1st. Texas, probably by October 1st, but with the legislature in session, things could change in Texas in the next few months. So um, um, with that, Dan, any, any final comments you'd like to make? Uh, final comments, the, the uh, outstanding big states. We have not heard anything as of yet from uh, New York or Florida as far as economic nexus, notice and reporting, et cetera. Uh, I've, we're, we still await uh, further developments there. It's possible uh, that those two may need legislative changes. And, and I know there's still a number of states that are whose legislatures are not in session right now. And, and uh, we can expect as, as they start coming back in that you're going to see some additional states start to pass economic nexus. So keep your eyes and ears open. All right. Ever-changing world of sales tax nexus. All right, Dan, thank you very much. And that concludes this week's episode of the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. I'll see you next week. My pleasure as always.